In the late 1950s, NASA recruited military test pilots to become the very first American astronauts. They underwent an extensive battery of tests to find the very best astronauts for the Mercury program. These men became the Mercury 7. About the same time, another round of tests were being conducted on another group of pilots. These pilots were given the exact same physical and mental tests as the astronauts. The only difference was, they were women. Learn more about the Mercury 13 on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Audible.com. My audiobook recommendation today is The Mercury 13. The True Story of Thirteen Women and the Dream of Spaceflight by Martha Ackman In 1961, just as NASA launched its first man into space, a group of women underwent secret tests in hopes of becoming America's first female astronauts. They passed the same battery of tests as did the Mercury 7 astronauts, but they were summarily dismissed by the Boys Club at NASA and on Capitol Hill. You can get a free one-month trial to Audible and two free audiobooks by going to audibletrial.com slash everywhere or by clicking on the link in the show notes. When the space race began, the initial goal by both the Soviets and the Americans was to put a human into orbit. No one had a clue what conditions would be like in space. In fact, when the idea was first hatched, there was doubt as to if it was even possible for humans to exist there. What would happen without gravity? Would radiation levels in space be lethal? Because they didn't know what conditions they would face, they figured the best people to recruit as astronauts would be people used to similar conditions. 
military test pilots. The initial pool of candidates was 508. Of them, 110 were interviewed. 32 of those were then brought in for physical and psychological testing. From this group, the final seven were selected. All of the candidates from the very start were men. There were no female military test pilots, so none were eligible for the program. The idea of admitting women into the Mercury program was something that was never really officially considered. However, one person in the program was curious what would happen if women were subjected to the exact same tests that the male astronauts were. William Randolph Lovelace II was a flight surgeon who helped develop the tests for NASA and the Mercury program. He wanted to know how accomplished female pilots would perform. With the support of Air Force Brigadier General Don Flickinger, the top flight surgeon in the Air Force, he set out to find the answer. He recruited Geraldine Jerry Cobb, one of the most accomplished female pilots in the world. Jerry had her pilot's license at the age of 17, was a commercial pilot at 18, and eventually earned almost every flight certification available. She would often fly military bombers and fighters from factories to air forces around the world. Lovelace subjected Cobb to the same tests that all the Mercury astronauts were given. And she passed. She didn't just pass. She was ranked in the top 2% of all the astronaut candidates. Cobb and Lovelace worked together to find more women to take the same tests. They wanted to know if Cobb was an outlier or if this was something that more women could do. The entire project was privately funded, and it did not have any official approval or oversight by NASA. As with the Mercury program, Cobb and Lovelace focused their search on pilots. They limited their search to women with at least 1,000 hours of flight time. Word of the program spread via word of mouth and via women's flying clubs. There were eventually 19 women who were brought in for testing, and of those, 13 passed the same physical tests which were given to the male Mercury astronauts. They were eventually dubbed the Mercury 13. Unlike the Mercury program, most of the women never met each other. They were all tested separately, and unlike the men, they weren't in a competition to make any sort of cut. While the program wasn't a secret, it also wasn't really publicly promoted. During the testing, there wasn't a single article written about the program or the women in it. In 1962, there was some potential good news. The House Committee on Science and Astronautics had a public hearing on the qualification of astronauts. Jerry Cobb and another woman in the program, Janie Hart, testified to the committee. While their testimony was well-received, unfortunately, it was undermined by many other people who were testifying. John Glenn, the first American to orbit the Earth, said, quote, I think this gets back to the way our social order is organized, really. It's just a fact. The men go off and fight the wars and fly the airplanes and come back and help design and build and test them. The fact that women are not in this field is a fact of our social order. End quote. One of the people called to testify was Jacqueline Cochran, who was an accomplished female pilot and the head of the WASP female pilot program in World War II. She and her husband also provided funding for Dr. Lovelace's testing program. Despite her funding and support of the program, her testimony ultimately torpedoed it. She said that many women who entered the program would quit due to pregnancy and marriage, and that it was more important that the space program move as quickly as possible to beat the Soviets, so having women in the program wasn't as important. Some observers feel that she was upset that she couldn't be in the program due to age requirements. She was 55, and she also didn't want to hand the reins of being America's top female pilot, let alone the first woman in space, to someone else. In 1963, there was another opportunity when the Soviet Union launched the first woman into space. 
On June 22, 1963, Valentina Tereshkova became the first woman in space. Despite the propaganda victory by the Soviets, the Americans didn't budge and still refused to allow a woman to enter the astronaut program. One of the political barbs tossed at the American space program by Tereshkova was, quote, The American leaders shout at every turn about their democracy, and at the same time they announce that they will not let a woman into space. This is open inequality. End quote. When a final appeal was made to get women into the astronaut program, the idea was quashed by President Lyndon Johnson, who sent a memo to the NASA Administrator James Webb, which simply said, quote, Let's stop this now. End quote. Despite Jerry Cobb proving that women could pass the physical requirements, and Valina Tereshkova proving that women could fly in space, the United States didn't even allow women to apply to become astronauts until 1978. Six women qualified in 1978 to the U.S. Astronaut Corps. Sally Ride, Judith Resnick, Annalee Fisher, Catherine Sullivan, and Margaret Ray Seddon. All of them flew in space, with Sally Ride becoming the first American woman in space. The current American record holder for having the most time in space is Peggy Whitson, who spent 665 days in orbit. Jerry Cobb had a 30-year career flying relief missions in South America and establishing new flight routes. She was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1981. In 1998, at the age of 77, John Glenn returned to space on the space shuttle. In theory, he was in space to test the effects of space on senior citizens, but many people think it was just a quid pro quo from NASA after his years of support in the United States Senate. After Glenn's flight, there was an effort to get Jerry Cobb to fly on the space shuttle as well, which would have also given NASA the opportunity to right a historic wrong. However, they turned down the offer, saying, quote, it had no plans to involve additional senior citizens in upcoming launches. In the current TV series For All Mankind, which is an alternative history of what would have happened if the Soviets had beaten the Americans to the moon, the Mercury 13 play an important part of the plot. After the Soviets land a woman on the moon, the Americans rush to get female astronauts, and they look to the Mercury 13 to jumpstart the program. In this alternative fictional history, the first American woman in space and on the moon is someone named Molly Cobb, a nod to the real-life Jerry Cobb. Jerry Cobb passed away in 2019 at the age of 88. Jerry Cobb and the other members of the Mercury 13 never flew in space, but they paved the way for the women who came after them and did. The associate producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Thor Thompson. If you'd like to support the show, please donate over at Patreon.com. There is content only available to supporters, merchandise, and even opportunities for a show producer credit. If you know someone you think would enjoy the show, please share it with them. Also remember, if you leave a five-star review, I'll read your review on the show.